0: Well, good morning once again. Um, I've got kind of a short message, only an hour today, um, because we have communion at the end. If you're a guest here, uh, my name is Jordan. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm glad you're here. And uh, as Helen mentioned already, and as Pastor Jeff mentioned, um, the grand opening weekend is coming, and I just want to reiterate again, it's an all-hands-on-deck event, which means Everybody needs to be involved. So it could be just a small thing like, um, you know, helping people navigate the different things that we're going to have on that day or just giving people information or uh, just helping out in one way or another. But we need you, and uh, don't count yourself out. We need you to be there, even if you can just come and be amongst the people and talk with people, greet people, make sure they're having a great time. Um... The title of my message this morning is Heart Matters, Heart Matters, and the verse that I want to jump off is found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4 and verse 23, and it reads this, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Let's pray one more time. Father, this morning, I thank you for the precious gift of your holy and inerrant word. We thank you for the scriptures, Lord, to be a light to our path, a lamp to our feet. We, Lord, are at peace now in this moment so that we can receive what you want to teach us. And we lay aside every burden, every weight, every distraction, everything that's going on in the busyness of our lives to turn now to hear from you. Help us to even quiet our own thoughts as we hear from your word this morning. Help us to know what it is to guard our hearts and help us to find ways in which we can put it into practice in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. Heart matters. The heart has been defined in so many ways. I have a couple ways here. Number one, the heart is that hollow muscular organ, which by contracting rhythmically, this is from the dictionary, I didn't write this, which by contracting rhythmically keeps up the circulation of the blood. That's an important job. But that's not the definition we're concerning with. So with our, uh, we're concerned with this morning. It is the second one, which is the heart is the seat of the affections or sensibilities, collectively or separately, as love, hate, joy, grief, courage, and the like. And sometimes we also refer to the heart as the seat of the understanding or will usually in a good sense, with no epithet is expressed, the better or lovelier part of our nature, the spring of all our actions and purposes, the seat of moral life and character, the moral affections and character itself, or the individual disposition and character, as in they have a good heart or a tender heart. We talk about people, they're such a loving heart. Sometimes they have a bad heart or a hard heart or a selfish heart. We'll try to minimize talking about those guys today. But how important is the heart? I would say it's really important. Of course, we have our natural heart. It's the central organ in our body that works all the time to pump oxygenated blood throughout our body. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on the Internet. But, you know, the heart pumps the blood. That's important. The heart isn't something that we can do without It's functioning all the time. We need it. It's integral. It's critical to the health and life of our physical bodies. Are you learning something today? You knew that already. Okay. I was reminded of that truth um, this past week, actually, on Friday. We don't really tend to notice our hearts unless something is wrong. And on Friday, we got the call that uh, my father-in-law was, um, he was breathing heavy, and he was exhausted, and all of a sudden, you know, he's just having some pain and some stiffness, and he was having trouble breathing. So, um, we thought, you know, it wasn't anything too serious, so we gave it a moment. But when it continued, my mother-in-law called the ambulance right away, and they immediately rushed him to the hospital and it turns out that he had this thing called an infarction which is basically a a blockage in an artery and when it's the heart the hospital takes it really seriously so they rushed him right away within an hour he's having surgery So we were really thankful that the Lord was in that whole process from the ambulance and the the firemen to the hospital, and they got to it right away, and they went through his wrist. It's a new way of doing it. If they can't do that, they go through, I think, the hip or something like that. Um, But they got to it. They cleared the blockage. And because they got to it so quickly, um, they were able to reduce any long-term damage. So, he only ends up having about 5% of uh, scarring on his heart that he's going to be rehabilitating and recuperating. So, we thank God for protecting my father-in-law. Amen. <clears throat> the heart is so important, and we we're reminded of that uh, this week. My father-in-law had a heart attack, so please keep him in prayer. Um, that he doesn't do anything too strenuous and that his stress is down because that's important when it comes to the heart. But scripture teaches us also in the in the Old Testament it's interesting what it talks about the heart. It says this in Leviticus 17:11 speaking about the blood of a creature. You see in the Old Covenant there was a sacrificial system. And um, they would sacrifice animals on an altar, and they would pour out the blood of the animal. And it, said, it says this in verse 11 of chapter 17, For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. So even the physical blood was important. It talked about the life of the creature is in the blood, and the heart pumps the blood. But returning to our second definition, the heart as our innermost being, our very soul, we ask again, how important is it? The wisdom of scripture tells us to guard our hearts above everything else. We take care of our physical hearts, but do we also take care of our souls? Turn to your neighbor and ask the question, how is your soul? How is your soul? Has guarding our hearts been priority number one? The verse we read in Proverbs says this above all else, where does that land on the priority list? If it's above all else, above all our other affections, above all our other activities, above all other pursuits and all other concerns, all other worries, all other things that we can be concerned with in life to do, where is guarding your heart on that list? The Scripture clearly shows and teaches that it should be top priority about what's going in and what's coming out. As we live in the busyness of our lives each day, it's possible to go a long time without thinking about the work our physical heart are doing for us. Sometimes the only time we really think about our heart is when something isn't working as it should. In like manner, how often do we give thought to the condition of our souls? Do we have guards posted at the gateways of our hearts, ready and on alert? Or have we let the guards of our heart fall asleep? If it's true, as the scripture says, that everything we do, the very lives that we experience are in great measure the direct result of what flows out from our hearts, how then as Christians ought we to live? And my first point this morning is the heart matters. From the Gospels, we learn that the heart was Jesus' central concern. Here are just a couple of passages. I can't read all the passages that deal with the heart in the Gospels or even the New Testament. But I've lifted out several of them just to to make the point. Matthew 5.8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Matthew 5.28. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That's... Something that plagues our society is just the abundance of pornographic availability. It's all over the internet. It's everywhere you turn. And society is treating it as if it's okay, if it's normal, and as if it doesn't affect our lives. But it absolutely affects our lives. Pornography teaches us to objectify people men and women making them less than human and it's a struggle for so many and jesus said it's important that we understand the heart we understand what goes in and what goes out affects our lives matthew 6:21 for where your treasure is there your you can say it louder than that there your heart will be also. Matthew 18:35 talking about our relationships with one another. It says in verse 35, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your good. Mark 11:23, truly I tell you if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. The heart matters. In Luke 6.45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his... Heart. Oh, come on. In his... Heart. Thank you. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his... Heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Luke chapter 8 and in... Other gospels as well, you, you know the parable of the sower, we've heard it many times, and it talks about how the Word of God gets planted in the soil of our hearts. Luke 12:29, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it." So what's absolutely clear from Scripture is the value that Jesus placed on the condition Of our hearts. Amen? We find reason for this in the new covenant that Jesus would inaugurate. That the laws of God wouldn't be written on tablets of stone, but would be written on our hearts. That God would put them, his laws and his promises, that he'd engrave them in our hearts. That he would give us new hearts. Jesus knew that for us to live renewed lives, We needed renewed hearts. I'm going to say that again. In order for us to live renewed lives, it requires us to have renewed hearts. The new life that God has ordained for you and I is only possible with a new heart, it's not possible otherwise. A great example of this is what Jesus taught on the subject of worry and being anxious about material things. In Matthew 6, 25 through 34, it says this, "'Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them.'" Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Just elbow your neighbor and say, this is for you. Stop worrying. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And this is the verse. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Now, it's interesting about this verse. Um, several years ago, before I went to Bible college. Um, I was thinking thinking about going to a particular college that a well-known minister... I'll I'll leave him... um, I won't mention his name, but a well-known minister had a Bible college in St. Catharines, Ontario at one point. And um, I had applied to get some information, and um, I was thinking about going or not going, and he wrote me a personal letter. And it really stuck with me what he wrote, because he included this verse... And the letter goes on to write, you know, I woke up this morning just thinking that I should write you this note from the Lord. And that is, whatever you choose to do, whether you go down this path and come to the school or not, uh, I encourage you to seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you. So it's been a powerful verse for me just because he took the time to write me that letter. But it, it, it sometimes challenges us because we think... When we read that verse on the surface, it seems like Jesus is telling us not to care, right? Don't worry about your life. Don't worry. Everything's going to be taken care of. Don't worry about this or that, right? It seems like what Jesus is encouraging us to do is be irresponsible. Is that what the scripture is telling us this morning? No. Instead, Jesus is giving us a key. Jesus is not telling us not to care or just not to worry about it. Instead, he's explaining that the heart is what really matters. We've all heard stories of lottery winners, 649. Um, If you win, um, I'll I'll leave you my cell phone number. You can call me. We can talk about it. Um, Pray about it. But we've all heard those stories where uh, people came into a lot of money you know what? You know where I'm going with this, and at the end of it, they were worse off or in worse debt than they were before they won, because they overexerted themselves. Right? They win a bunch of money at the lottery. You've heard these stories, and 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 then they they go out and they don't have the characters to sustain the blessing. At the same time, we've also heard some great stories about. Um, a person in business, man or woman, who maybe made some risky business decisions and they lost it all, but then in a very, very short period of time, they got it all back again. Have you heard those stories too? Those are good stories. Because despite what was happening in the out- outside life, whether they had material gain or loss, they were able to recoup it because they had the integrity of heart that brought about that blessing. Do you understand? So what is Jesus saying? He's saying don't go after and chase after these things, but work on your heart. Work on what it takes to be a person of integrity and character that will naturally invite these blessings into your life. Are you still with me? Jesus is teaching us not to seek after the outward manifestation of something without paying careful attention to the condition of our hearts that will naturally bring it to life. In this, it's the same with relationships. You know this to be true. Um, when I was a youth pastor, we used to talk about uh, dating and relationships and marriage and all that good stuff quite a bit. And um, it was funny because some young men or young a woman would come to the youth group and they say, Pastor Jordan, um, you know, I'm looking for Mrs. Wright. You know, I'm looking for Mr. Wright. And um, I, I, you know, I used to have a kind of a funny way of responding to that. I said, well, Mrs., Mrs. Wright is only looking for Mr. Wright, right? You can only talk to Mrs. Wright if you're Mr. Wright, and vice versa, you know, you can only find Mr. Right if you're Mrs. Right. And I know, um, you know, that that can be a touchy subject because often we feel like we're doing the best we can do and we're serving God and we're we're, we're going out. But, I, you know, maybe we just need to take more of a humble uh, approach to understanding that and say, you know, is there something that I need to be working on to put myself in the best position to be the person that Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright would be looking for. Is that okay to say that? Okay. A little bit a little bit worried about that one, but it's true. I mean, how many times are we asking God to take a shortcut and bless us in whatever kind of way and yet we aren't willing to invest in the character and integrity of our own hearts which would ensure the blessing stays a blessing. Why would God want to give us something that he knows we don't have the integrity to sustain? Why would he grant us our request if he knew that the very thing we were asking for would ultimately destroy us and lead us astray? Because it's the heart that matters. So Jesus is saying, don't chase after all these things, but instead seek first the kingdom. What does that mean? What does it mean to seek first the kingdom? It means to pursue righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, right standing with God. Pursue being right relationship with God. Pursue peace. It's very difficult to receive from God apart from a place of peace. When you're trying to hear from God, when you're trying to receive from God, you've got to first seek the kingdom. His righteousness, His peace, and His joy. His joy comes from a grateful heart. When we say, Lord, I may not be where I'd like to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. Where we can say, despite my circumstances, despite where I'm at, I have joy because I know who my Father is. And I know my Redeemer lives. And I know that things may work out the way I want, they may not. But I'm secure in Him, and I am grateful, and I have joy, and I have peace, and I have righteousness because of what Christ has done for me. It's the heart that matters. I want to tell you a little story that I'm not proud of. Can I do that? Um, when I was when I was young, I I was looking to get my first car, and I was uh, kind of a new Christian, uh, relatively. And I was like, Lord, I need a car. I was living in uh, Kingston at the time. And the bus system in Kingston um, is a, a work in progress. So if you miss a bus in one place, you're like four hours out of the way. It's, 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 it's wild. Um, you need to connect. So I, I really needed a vehicle to, to live there in the place I was living. And so I was like, God, I believe that you're able to do this. I believe you're able to meet my needs. I believe there's, it's nothing for you to create the entire universe. Surely you can give me a little bitty car, right? Makes sense, right? Does it make sense? Yes, okay. I was like, this is nothing for you. God, you could open the windows of heaven right now. In fact, the only reason why you're not is for some reason, I don't know. Maybe you don't want to. That's the only way I could explain it. So I, would, I was praying all Saturday night and fasting and praying. And I just sensed that the Lord was telling me to wait, but I said, no, I'm going to push this one. God, there's nothing stopping your hand. You can do this. I want this car, Lord. I was angry. And I just sensed in my spirit, all right. So ended prayer. I went to church the next day, kind of just going through the motions, much like this, much like a service like this. And I was uh, down by the altar in the front and uh, this lady came up to me and she said, are you Jordan? And I said, yes. And she said, I have a car for you. I have a car for you. And so, boom, I got so excited, I was so happy, and uh, I was like, okay, where do I I sign, where do I pick it up, you know, like, I'm ready to go, you know, young guy, first car, I didn't have a car before, it's my first car, and it was given to me from God, and I had prayed the night before about it. You guys see where this is heading? Okay. So I get the car, and needless to say, it's in kind of rough shape but I took it anyway because it's a free car from God, right? It's his will that I have this car, right? I prayed about it. I got it. It must be from him. Make a short story long. I didn't have the character to sustain it. The car needed about $3,000 of repairs and I was, I don't know, earning minimum wage or something close to it at the time and there's gas and the the insurance company wanted like $400 a month to insure me as a young driver. And I overexerted myself, and it ended up breaking my budget and my bank and my situation. And it was just a real nightmare. I'm not proud of this story, but I wanted to share it with you because I think sometimes we ask God for a blessing And then he turns around and gives us the opportunity to grow in our hearts. And we're not willing to do that work because we just want a shortcut to the blessing. Am I the only one? Whatever it is you want in your life, begin to sow that in your heart. Begin to ask God to do a work in your heart because the heart matters. And when we get to a place where we have the integrity of heart and the character to sustain the blessing... I think that's when our Father shows up. Amen? Is this helping you? So how do we do this? Romans 12, 1 and 2, classic. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I know you know this verse, and it's good to be reminded. It's good to come back and learn it again. This means that if we are going to see change in your life, in my life, We need to deal with the patterns and habits we live by. You won't see change unless change. It's pretty deep, right? We need to put a stop to the old patterns of thinking and relating, and we need to adopt new ways of seeing and perceiving. It isn't easy to break bad habits and begin new ones. And it's it's going to require us feeling awkward, at least at the beginning. You may be here and hearing what I'm saying, and you say, it's impossible for me to change. I am who I am. And I'm saying, don't believe that. All we are is our personality is just a collection of habits that we formed, you know, Uh, We put the right shoe on before the left one. It's just who we are because that's always what we've done, always what we thought, always what we felt. And if we're going to see change and renew our minds, we need to stop doing the old patterns, make sense, and adopt the new patterns of thinking and feeling and behaving. Amen? Okay. That's going to require us being uncomfortable. And the question is, are you willing to be uncomfortable? I don't know how it was for your first time riding the bike, if you know how to ride a bike, how it was for you. I don't know if you just took off right away and it was like, great. Or were you a bit wobbly first when you got on it? Maybe you fall, scrape skin the knee. Mom, dad had to come, put some ointment on it, put a Band-Aid, say, try again. Anytime we're trying to make change in our life, What's going to happen is you're going to get to that place where you're doing that different thing. You're believing, you're trusting God, you're you're, you're walking in that newness, and it's going to feel out of your comfort zone. It's going to feel awkward. You can expect that. You can take that to the bank. You can understand that this is not going to feel great. Instead, you're going to look back at the old pattern of life, and you're going to say, over there looks really comfortable. I feel like going back there... Because even though I know that's not the best for me and it's really not God's will for my life, at least I understand this place and I feel comfortable here. We have to be willing, if we're going to see change, we have to be willing to be uncomfortable and be okay with the awkwardness until we see that change, until we understand uh, what God wants to do in that place. Are you still here? Are you willing to be uncomfortable? Most times we feel awkward, it feels weird, so we run back to what we know because it's familiar, it feels safe, even though we know it's hindering the work of God in our lives. Let me give you a quick example. Um, Do you believe when I say all things are possible? You believe that. I chose this because it's, 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 it's kind of a, an extreme example. All things are possible. It says in Mark 9.23, If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. In Matthew 19.26, Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. It says it in Scripture. Jesus said it. You can't disagree with it, right? So we say we believe it, but when I tell you, when I come down and say to you, do you believe that all things are possible, boom, what happens in your mind? You begin to reason away. You begin to think that actually, maybe all things are possible, but not all things are probable. Maybe eh, all things are possible with God doesn't mean all things are possible with me. You begin to give yourself outs and excuses, and th- all this is is your brain and your old pattern and your old habit reminding you of the comfortable place. Because if you believed all things were possible, if you believed that God could answer your prayers, if you believed that He could come in and heal your body and Bring new life into that situation and save that sister, that brother, that family mother. Remember, if you believed that all things were possible with God to move that mountain, it would force you to leave that place of comfort. If you say, I'm too old, God can't use me anymore. That's just an old pattern thinking. And I use that as an example. It's one I struggle with. Is it really possible with God? 2 Corinthians 5, 3-5 to five says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive, hear his language, every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You step out of your comfort zone, you believe God for that newness of life, that new situation, that healing, that forgiveness, that ability to see change in your life. Maybe it could be you just want to get in a healthy place, you want to change your diet, you want to start exercising, you want to see better finances or more structure and control over uh, material things, whatever it is, and you believe in God and you just fall back into old patterns because we need to take those thoughts captive, That's the way to go about it. That's what Paul says. We make it obedient to Christ, despite how awkward it is, despite how I'm feeling out of my comfort zone. I want to take every thought that rises up in my heart, that rises up in my mind, and say, no, I will serve Christ. No, I will make this thought obedient to the truth of what Jesus has said. And Jesus said, all things are possible when you begin to question the old patterns of thinking and examine your thoughts, this is when you can make the choice to accept it or refuse it and make the choice to trust God. There's this principle um, in bodybuilding uh, or muscle development really called atrophy. Gary knows about this because he's a physical trainer. He studied a lot of that. And atrophy basically is simple. Use it or lose it. Okay. Now, coming here to Ontario from Montreal, my Parlez-vous Francais is uh, I haven't used it that much. So sometimes it's a challenge to get back into it. You know what that's like. When you're going to the gym, you're working out. You're working muscles. You're growing. But if you stop, those muscles begin to atrophy. Is that right? Kind of how it works? not a doctor again okay it's the same with the patterns of our lives when we stop doing those old things stop feeling those old emotions stop agreeing with those thoughts that come against the knowledge of god and begin to walk in the new pattern and we refuse to allow those things to dictate how we're feeling and thinking they atrophy they go away and we exchange the old for the new and we renew our minds. Works with muscles, also works with skills. First time is going to be a bit wobbly on that bike, but as you move forward and as you do it, some of you maybe you tried this, you say, you know what, I tried to believe God, I stepped out and it was all wonky, it was all wobbly. You got to give it a shot. Don't give up on the first try. Look how hard you worked. You put in 20, 30 years in that old way of life. You given this one week? Got to give it a shot. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, one of my favorite passages, it says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unfailed faces contemplate, The Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The transformation happens as we contemplate. As we see Jesus and study the word of God, we work to conform ourselves to the pattern that we see in Scripture with the help of the Holy Spirit. Band, you can come back. As I conclude this morning, just before we enter into a time where we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper, I want to encourage you this morning by saying we are called to bring our hearts and minds into alignment with the work that God has done in our hearts. Amen? Jesus has called you to walk in into the fullness of the victory that he has already won on your behalf. That's a shouting part. Do we have a sign? Shout here. Say it again. Jesus has called you to walk into the fullness of the victory that he has already won on your behalf. He has made a way. There is life in his name. There is freedom in his name. There is healing in his name. There is hope in his name. Jesus has made a way. And you can reach out and believe him today. It's going to be awkward. Might feel weird. Might feel comfortable over here. But he's called you to walk in the fullness of the victory that he has purchased for you with his body and blood. He's done it. They asked Jesus, what should we do to do the works of God? And Jesus answered in John six twenty nine, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. All the youth, all the time, what's the will of God for my life? A lot of people asking that. What's the will of God? It says this, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, Chapter 4, verse 3, this is the will of God for you, your sanctification, the renewing of your mind. God isn't concerned so much with what you do, although he is, but more so how you go about doing it. The heart we have behind it, the motives we have. doesn't matter if you're working at Timmy's or McDonald's. What matters is how you go about being an employee at those places, right? Those are fine establishments. Just use them as examples. 1 John 5 1 to 5 says this everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know. That we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out His commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep His commands, to renew our minds, to walk in the fullness of the victory He won for us on Calvary. His commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the verse. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the work of God. This is the will of God. And this is the victory of God. We are called to renew our minds, to guard our thoughts, to guard our hearts, so that we will walk according to his will. For Jesus said his kingdom was not of this world, but it was a kingdom established first in our heart. Father, may it be true when we sing that verse, King of my heart, would you be the King of all of our hearts today? So let the King of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life. He is my song. And let the king of my heart be the wind inside my sails, the anchor in the waves. He is my song. Let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins, the echo of my days. He is my song.